too much to leave you the way that you are. And every single one of us is in process. You know what? See, this is what I love about the family of God. The person who's going to put their faith and trust in Jesus, right? You're going to make that decision. I'm going to start following Jesus. And the person who's been walking with Jesus for many decades, every single one of us is still in process. Nobody's dialed the thing in. No pastor's got it dialed in. There's nobody who's got it all right. So each one of us is all, we're all just taking the next step with Jesus. Do you think you're in a place where you've made it? You've gotten life figured out and there's nothing else that you need to learn? Well, today, Pastor Daniel wants you to know that there's no such thing. You could be the most well-versed pastor or teacher out there. You still have plenty of room to grow. God's continually stretching and growing you, expecting you to follow Him and honor Him with your life. And it's worth it, too. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 11 as he begins his message, The Reward for Your Actions. All right, let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, as we close out this first series in the book of Deuteronomy called Refresh. This is the introduction to the second telling of the law. Starting in the subsequent messages, we're going to be starting a new series called Blueprints, where we're actually going to go over a lot of the laws that we've already seen in Exodus and Leviticus in sections of the book of Numbers as well. So remember, the reason they're having this refresh is because the children of Israel are on the precipice of the promised land. They're about to go on in and take the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the generation that left Egypt with Moses, they were rebellious against the Lord. And they, the whole, the elders of the, of the people ended up perishing in the wilderness because they wouldn't go in and take what God had promised them. They didn't trust the Lord. And I'm reminded when I say that is that it's so important for God's word to be mingled with faith. It's one thing to hear the word, but will we trust in God? Will we put legs on the word? You know, and my prayer has been for us as a family of faith that we would really find ourselves mingling God's word with faith, that we wouldn't just hear the word, but we would say, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to step out in line with what your word says. And I think for a lot of us, our lives would be radically different in Christ if we were to do that. If we were to simply just say, Lord, your word says this, so I trust you. And in the areas that we don't trust God, we'd say, well, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, help me to grow, to to trust what your word says, and to trust the things that are in it. Now, I have a lot of ground to cover tonight, and I definitely, I've already told you I'm going to finish the series tonight, so... I'm kind of constrained. So let's jump in. Verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 11. It says, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God, and you shall keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. 
Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. Verse 3, his signs and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all his land. What he did to the army of Egypt to their horses and their chariots, how he made the waters of the Red Sea overflow them as they pursued you, and how the Lord had destroyed them to this day, what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, their households, their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel, but your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. Now, again, if you've been traveling with us through the book of Deuteronomy, there's these continual reminders of these things. And in verse one, we are reminded once again of the marriage of love and obedience. These things go together. And we always have to remember that because God sees, we respond to God's love by being obedient to him. We realize that God is a good father and he loves us. And the reason there are prohibitions in the Bible is because, as I always say, God loves us too much to let us hurt ourselves. That's why they're in there. God, it's like my kids. I mean, and I get it when you're a kid. You know, your parents don't know what they're doing or they do what they're doing and they're just not smart. You know, but like, I actually love my kids and I don't want them to hurt themselves. So like just yesterday, great example. So for Obadiah's birthday, we got him like one of those little motorized scooters, you know? And so sure enough, like, you know, Maranatha wants to get out on that thing. And Maranatha's just a little bit younger, but she's out there. She's got no shoes on and she's got no helmet on, right? Now, I love my little Maranatha and she's my, she's my little girl, you know, and she's the boss. So we need to keep boss happy too, you know? And so, and so I said, Maranatha, you, you got to put shoes on. You got to put your helmet on. Come on, dad. You know, that's the response. Well, no, no, I actually love your little feet and, and you want to be a ballerina and you don't want your feet all busted up and beat up. And you know, and I love your head. You got a cute little face and I just don't want to keep it that way, you know? And so I told her to put her helmet on, but she kind of thinks I'm lame, but I'm not lame because I actually love her. You know what I mean? And it's like, and that, like, that little motorized scooter goes fast when you're like 45 pounds or whatever Maranatha is, you know? And so I love her and I don't want her to hurt herself. So I have prohibitions in there because I care about her and I know what's best for her. And one day when she gets older, she's going to have little kids and she's going to tell them to do the exact same thing. You know what I mean? But probably by the time she's there, they won't be helicopter parents. They'll be like Velcro parents or something. So I put her in whole body armor. That's a whole other discussion. So I say that like, I love my daughter, and I want her to be blessed. And so obedience and love go together. They go together. And absolutely in our relationships with God, we should be obedient to the things that God asks of us. Listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, anybody can finish it? Keep my commandments. Wow. Simple, real love for Jesus always translates into obedience. So to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, to lay it at your doorstep, how are you being disobedient to Jesus right now? You got to ask yourself that. That's how we apply the word. That's how we, we don't just want to have the word in our brains. We want to live it out every day. So you got to ask yourself, 
what am I doing right now that I am not showing that I love God because of my disobedience? And know what's the scary thing? We all got them. And we all got lots of them. And God wants to do a work. So we have to be able to say, okay, Lord, I realize that this is an area of disobedience in my life and that obedience and love go together. So Lord, by the power of your spirit, will you help me to trust you and take a step of faith? Just take that step. Obedience is all about a choice that we make to follow and honor the Lord. And so you get that in verse one. And we've been seeing a lot of that. Now, in verse two and going down to verse seven, notice that Moses says to the people there, Know today that I do not speak with your children who have not known and who have not seen the chastening of the Lord your God, his greatness and his mighty hand and his outstretched arms. He's he's telling the adults, listen, I'm not talking to your kids. I'm talking to you because you were all there as little children when God delivered us from Egypt. And you were all there with all the wilderness. You saw all this. You saw the fact that when we are disobedient to God, that God in his love will chasten us. So he's saying, well, I'm not talking to your kids. I'm talking to you. You know everything that went on. You saw what he did in Egypt. You saw how the Lord parted the Red Sea. And when the children of Israel got over it, the pursuing Egyptian army, how he let the, the, the walls come down and that whole army was drowned. He says, you saw what he did in the wilderness until he came. You saw all the plagues that came for disobedience. He's like, listen, you also saw in verse 6 what happened to Dathan and Abiram. Remember Korah's rebellion of Numbers chapter 16? When because of their rebellion, literally the earth opened up and swallowed all of them and their families and all of their belongings. Literally, the earth opened up and swallowed these people. He's like, you saw all this. What he's saying to them is, listen, you saw that when disobedience comes that God will chasten you. Now, I realize when we talk about the chastening of the Lord, the disciplining of the Lord, that's a touchy subject because for many people they had physical fathers who were abusive, who were aggressive, you know, and so you start talking about chastening and disciplining of a parent. For many people, we have like a, well, hold on a second, right? But at the same time, you got to remember that the Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So God's love comes with the, we don't do that in our family. Like that, that's a, that's God's chastening. He's saying, look, yeah, you used to do that, but in, in my family, in the family of God, we don't act that way. We don't do that. You know, I do that all the time with my kids. Something will go on, I say, listen, no, you see, no, we don't act that way in our family. Can't, we can't speak for other families. In our family, this is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we value. And I'm like, not everyone's like that, but that's who we are. And if you're part of God's family, guess what? God gets to say, this is what are we like in our family. This is the way we do things. This is what we don't do. This is what we stop doing because this is my family and I'm God and I'm the father of this family. And because I love you, we don't act that way in our family. And you have to realize that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then God takes parental authority over you. And because he does that, he loves you enough to chasten you, to help hem you in. I like to say in a lot of ways what God does is his chastening is almost like the bumpers. Have you ever go bumper bowling? You see, like, I know our men's ministry, they love to go bowling, right? I don't go with the men's ministry to go bowling. You know why? Because I need to go bumper bowling. Even if I was bowling, like, you know, they call it granny style, where you put your two hands in there and you do it like this way, like, I still am going to end up in the gutter. I need bumpers in the, to go bowling. And you know what the beauty of bumpers are? You always hit the pins. 
And that's the guardrails that our Heavenly Father puts in our lives. He wants you to hit the pins. He doesn't want you to live in the gutter. He doesn't want every ball to be a gutter ball, you get no score. He wants his kids to hit the pins. And so he has all these things where he says, look, I don't want you to do this. I don't, and if you do that, this is going to happen. Because he wants us to get an A. He wants us to hit a strike. He wants us to be his people known by his name because of who we are. But for a lot of us, we don't like God's chastening. We kind of wish that he would be like an absentee landlord. We kind of... If you ever had an absentee, you don't really want an absentee landlord. But when God's chasing, you kind of like, I wish God just didn't care so much. But he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. And every single one of us is in process. You know what? See, this is what I love about the family of God. The person who's going to put their faith and trust in Jesus, right? You're going to make that decision. I'm going to start following Jesus. And the person who's been walking with Jesus for many decades, every single one of us is still in process. Nobody's dialed the thing in. No pastor's got it dialed in. There's nobody who's got it all right. So each one of us is all, we're all just taking the next step with Jesus, right? And the beauty is, is God knows that at every step we take, there is always a next step. Until he calls us home or until he comes back, there's the next step that he's calling us to take. And so for you and I, we have to remember, God loves you enough to say, we don't act that way in my family. And I'm so grateful for that. Because left up to my own devices, there's all sorts of things that I have done and that I am presently doing that I don't realize yet that that's not the way God works. But God's revealing it in its perfect time. There's certain issues you can't take care of until you take care of a number of other issues until you get there. And that's part of how it goes. That's the heart surgery that God is doing. So be faithful and trust his chastening because he cares about you enough to want to see you get growed up. He wants to see you get all grown up in his kingdom, mature. And that takes work. And that takes us responding to him. So Moses saying, listen, you've already seen all this stuff that God has done. You know what God does when disobedience happens. So be obedient. That's what he's saying. Now, in verse 8, look at what it says. It says, therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers and to give to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you had come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I don't know about you guys, when I read some of this stuff, it kind of gets me excited. Because you hear what the Lord's saying. He's saying, listen, he's saying, I want you to be obedient. And then you get this beautiful phrase in the middle of verse 8. Be strong. When we are obedient to the Lord, then we're strong in the Lord. We're in the power of his might. We're walking in the spirit. So what you don't realize is that disobedience is like your own personal kryptonite. When we are disobedient to the Lord, it begins, you know, you guys remember kryptonite. You guys all know Superman, right? 
And if you don't, I'll tell you. If I don't want to spoil it for you, though. Like, so if you don't know Superman, you don't ever want to hear it. Cover your ears for a second. I don't want to spoil it for you. But like Superman, they call him Superman for a reason because he was super. You know, the dude could fly. You know, the dude could do this crazy stuff. But if kryptonite was around, he was as wimpy as I am. Like Superman could break every powerlifting record, but if kryptonite was around, he couldn't even lift up a grain of rice. A man who is strong can be completely weak because of kryptonite. And disobedience is our own personal kryptonite. Disobedience weakens us in the things of God, where all of a sudden we become exceedingly vulnerable, you know? And so God wants you to be strong. He wants to build you up. God wants you in your obedience. It's you getting strong. He says, listen, I want you to be obedient because I want you to be strong. Why? Because I want you to go in and possess the land. See, this is about God giving his people home, a place to call their own, a place to flourish and blossom, right? And and it's beautiful because what he says, he says, not only am I going to give you the land, in verse 9 he says, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord. He's like, look, not only do I want you to go in, I want you to go in and I want you to stay in. I don't want to give you a temporary blessing, I want to give you a permanent blessing. And this is the land that I promised to Abraham, and I promised to Isaac, and I promised to Jacob. This is the fulfillment of all the promises that you see. We call it the book of Genesis. That's just their history. Well, the Lord God said he was going to do this. He was going to do this. And God's saying, I want you to be strong. I want you to go in. I want you to dwell in that land. And then he starts to talk about the land, and God gets himself a little bit excited. He's like, look, the land that I'm giving you, it's awesome. That's what he's saying here. He's like... For the land that you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you had come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. He's saying, he's saying, remember when you were in Egypt, you would plant your seeds and then you'd have to go with water and you'd be carrying buckets of water, you'd be trying to water the land, coming up with irrigation. He's like, this land that you're going into, water comes from heaven. It's like Vancouver, Washington. You know what I mean? It's like, you, don't, you never thought about the fact, but like in an agrarian culture, long before Costco and Chuck's and Fred Meyer's and all these places, it's like you had to grow your own stuff. And if you had a famine and without water that gets tapped into your house, that's carbon, you know, cleanse and all the stuff that we have today. Before that, if the rain stopped in the land, everybody starved. And you find that in places in the Bible. It's like, look, the land that you're going into, you don't have to carry around water. You don't have to have a super long hose. It rains. The stuff grows. And he's saying, this is a blessing. I mean, verse 11, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. And notice this, not only is it a good land which gets good water, you don't have to irrigate the thing, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord, your God, are always on it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So not only is it a great spot of land flowing with milk and honey, and you remember that flowing with milk and honey, honey was the only sweetener in that day, right? It was long before high fructose corn syrup or Splenda or NutraSweet or Stevia because you're a hippie or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like honey was the business, Honey was the business. It was a natural sweetener. And a land flowing with milk means that there's enough land to graze that all of the cattle could bring forth its milk. 
right? So this was long before you can buy your milk in a gallon or a milk guy showed up. It's like, you need to have your own cattle and you had to milk those babies. I don't know how that works, but some of you do. It's like, if you didn't have good grazing and good water, you're not getting any milk. So when it says a land flowing with milk and honey, it's like, this is a land of this abundance. It's like living in a perpetual all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. You know what I mean? It's like where it's like, it's just, there's just, it's like, can I get another egg roll? You want the whole plate? He's like, you want some sushi? You get everything you want. It's right there. That's the land. And he's like, and not only is all this stuff going on, but I love this land and I'm watching it. And from the beginning to the end of the year, every season, the Lord God has got his eyes on that land. God is protecting and caring and nurturing that land. He's like, look, I'm bringing you into a sweet spot. That's what God's saying. I got a good plan for you, but you need to be obedient so you can be strong, so you can take the land. Now, look at what it says in verse 13. It says, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens, so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. See, what we learn in these verses is that God desires to bless his people. He wants, he's given them this great spot and he wants to be faithful and bless them, but they have a part to play in it. Notice, again, the request for obedience. And not only just obedience, but to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. Man, if, if you all don't get anything tonight, just walk away with, I want to obey, I want to love, and I want to serve. If we just take those three takeaways, obedience, a heart's devotion, and self-sacrificial service, if you just take that and run with that, we got it. Because that's all God wants. Listen, I'm going to obey the Lord, I'm going to do what he says, and I'm going to love the Lord. See, God doesn't just want us to be, as a parent, I just don't want good, obedient children. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing, but I actually want my kids to love me too. I want them to think, that is great. He gave us a chocolate cake. You know what I mean? You can't even make a Bill Cosby reference anymore. And it's like you feel kind of... Anyway, we got to pray for Bill. Anyway, sorry. Moving on. You know, it's like I want my... As a parent, I want my kids to, to love me. It's not a wrong desire. See, and God doesn't want us to be good, obedient Christian people. Like, yes, Lord. Yes, praise God. He wants us to be like, man, God, you're so good to me. You love me. I'm returning your love to you. And we serve God by serving other people. The greatest in the kingdom is what? Servant of all. God wants us to be Jesus-like by serving. Jesus is Within this teaching today, you heard Pastor Daniel mention the idea of God doing heart surgery. It's not to hurt or harm you, but to help your heart and your obedience be in line with what he's calling you to. Sometimes obedience isn't always fun or the most enjoyable thing, but you know what? 
because God asks it of you, it becomes a joy to obey God because your heart's been mended and softened to his will. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will help you see that Jesus is the answer to all the things you need. You feel broken and helpless? Jesus is the healer. You want answers to the hard questions in life? Jesus is the answer. You see, no matter what you're going through, the conclusion that you should come to is that you need Jesus for the areas that are in need of repair. Jesus is willing, are you? You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Refresh. Until then, may God bless.